And now, your local forecast. Welcome back to The Forecast. My name is M4 Sonic, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Chief Street. G'day, mate. How are we? Very good today, actually. It's another nice day outside. I think we're slowly starting to trend into better weather. Yeah, finally. Yesterday was warm enough that I got hot. Mm, it was like 22 or something yesterday. Right. And the mood was just euphoric. Yeah, it really Super changes motivated. you. And now it's back to cold. Yeah, well, we'll get there. It's a slow, slow turn. What's on the agenda today? Uh, today, we're going to do a little bit of a catch-up. You're going to tell me about your album, how mm-hmm. that's tracking or currently not tracking. And then we've got some updates on the Lizzo drama, yeah. uh, some Taylor Swift stuff we're going to touch on again. She's been very generous. And then we're going to flip the tables and you're going to give me some would-you-rathers. Yeah, why not? Also, sad news, shout-out to Mouse. And Professor Myungtons. Yeah, I know. When I saw it the other day, I did get a little bit sad. Right. Well, I realized that I had followed this cat for as long as I'd followed Joel. Yeah, wild how they were like a t- really together. Yeah, and I think it's it's deeper than just losing an animal. I think it's the fact that this cat has really been there from the start of Joel's career mm-hmm. when like things really blew up. And yeah, it's kind of an end of an era. Yeah. And so uh, shout out to you, man. Take all the time you need. I saw that two shows have been cancelled. And yeah, it's like losing a family member. This cat was cool as fuck, by the way, uh, for those of you that don't know Dead Mouse and his cat, uh, Professor Meowington's. Uh, this cat just had like crazy attitude, as most cats do, and was uh, an integral part of the Dead Mouse brand and uh, still will be, I think. So, you know, it's not my story to, to share really, but I just thought I'd, I'd shout out that, uh, yeah, I hope that day. Doesn't where well, it will come for me. I've I've got to cut the kernel, and uh, it'd be a sad day. Yeah, for sure, man. It's never easy losing a pet. No. Uh, so Lizzo is making headlines, and I haven't really kept up to speed with it, but not for the right reasons. Yeah, Lizzo's gotten herself in some hot water, and she just finished a tour in Australia, so she's had all this positive news come out with her being in New Zealand, being in Australia, and then she's left the country, and all this stuff has come up. Um, mainly from some of her former dancers. They've filed a lawsuit against her alleging some pretty serious stuff, uh, accusations of sexual harassment, creating a hostile work environment, and even body shaming as well. Um, Interesting. Yes, I know. Um, According to the lawsuit, Lizzo apparently made one dancer touch a naked performer when they were in Amsterdam. I guess one of those like sex shows, something like that. Um, And then there's, yeah, been claims of Lizzo allegedly criticizing and even firing a dancer due to weight gain. Ooh. Uh, Additional to this, the dancers in questions were underpaid and then were fired once they challenged Lizzo on this. What do you reckon? Well, for someone who is, you know, promoting a lot of body positivity and empowerment, hearing this type of stuff really goes against all that. So Mm. I think like her image is probably really under fire at the moment. But these are merely allegations. They are allegations. And her statement came out um, very much defensive of herself. So she, a couple of days after these claims came out, she put out a post on Instagram saying, uh, the last few days have been gut-wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. My work ethic, morals, and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been criticized. Usually I do not respond to false allegations, but these are unbelievable as they sound too outrageous not to be addressed. The hardest thing about this that's going to be for her is that her brand is positivity. Her music's upbeat. She's a happy person, Mm. you know. Which then makes it an easy target for... Yeah, if you're doing the opposite, it's like you're going to get targeted really, really hard 
because it's like you're you're a lie almost, right? Yeah. So how they're going to get out of it, I don't know. They've gone with the they haven't taken any blame yet. You know what I mean? They're pushing pushing back on all the claims. Mm. So I mean, I don't know what's going to going to happen. I think Beyonce was leaving her out of a certain song in her sets and stuff. So like the trickle effects are already going. Wow. What else is making news? Well, on an update from the Swifty side of things, she's been obviously killing it. So the other day it came out a story that she uh, showing her appreciation by generously rewarding her hardworking staff, which includes truck drivers who received an impressive $100,000 bonus. But that's also not it. She's also uh, extended the bonuses for dancers, musicians, lighting and sound te- uh, technicians, and even caterers as well. Taylor Swift, you are a legend because those people are the integral part of what makes a tour successful. Mm. And I think so often go unnoticed. For every massive show, there is an enormous team of people that are working tirelessly behind the scenes. So hats off. Yeah, that's such an unheard of um, move, really. It takes me back to Warp Tour. We had a crew for our bus. So I think we were bus 15. And the Bus 15 crew, we had our own stage that was on a truck. Right. And we had our own crew. So we had our sound crew, light crew, stage crew, everything. And every morning we would rock up at a new venue if it wasn't a day off. Mm. So we'd load in and that crew was responsible for unloading the truck, setting up the stage, doing the tests, everything. And I was a bit late to the party, but so was our entire crew. Uh, we decided that we would actually start helping the crew. Mm. It wasn't a necessity. Like, all these guys are getting paid, whatever. Yeah. But... I did notice that the crew really appreciated if we were helping at the start of the day and at the end of the day getting that truck loaded. So doing what? Like packing up cords or? Yep. Yep. So, you know, putting the decks into the crate. Yeah. Cable management was a massive one. Yeah. But it was mainly they would pack the stuff, but just getting it off that stage and rolling it into a truck. Like these are big, big crates. But it, it just, I feel like my sets just had just a little bit more bass. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and the lighting was just a little bit more theatrical. I just, you know, you're on a first name basis and, yeah. and little things like, hey, crew, we're going to go off and get lunch. Are you guys good? Do you want me to get you something? That It just went a long way so that when I had a equipment failure, of course, they were going to jump on it straight away. Yeah, but there was that, that little extra bit of love. You know? Absolutely. And uh, shout out to Aiden. Aiden, if you're listening or watching this podcast, he's uh, my lighting guy. Mm. He put on a phenomenal show for me uh, during the pandemic where we did a warehouse set yeah. and we set everything up and he just put so much time into that and that production was 90% of the show. Mm-hmm. And he's, I don't know. So I'm just, I'm, I'm pumped for Taylor Swift and her her fans, the, the T-Swifties, because even like our bus driver was doing ridiculous hours driving us to all these venues and stuff. Without all these people, we had no show. Yeah, I mean, they're the forgotten heroes in the whole thing because everyone's just fixated on the acts, but it's like... Sometimes you feel like you've got the easiest job in the world, right? You rock up. I mean, it's a bit different for you because you do have some hardware and stuff and your laptop and that. But, you know, if I play a show, obviously way different levels, but plenty of DJs out there, USB in, headphones in, that's all I need. Like how easy is that? But people don't realize, obviously, there's all everything behind the scenes that makes that all possible. 100%. Um, just to cap off on Swifty, uh, how she's going. Already, so they started the tour in March. Uh, she's finishing her US leg, I think, today. At least there's a show in LA and that's where it's all wrapping up and there's a show tonight. They're probably happening right now. I was just watching it live on TikTok. 
<laughs> well, there you go. I saw some posts on everyone's story saying we're going. Obviously, LA would just be huge. Like yeah. the stars would be out for sure. Uh, already 300 million by June, which is, yeah, well, I guess last month now. So we're missing out on a week's revenue. Uh, 1.1 million tickets sold at an average price of $253, probably US as well. Um, so my, my math was pretty close. I don't know if anyone remembers a few weeks ago when I did my recap, but uh, I think I did pretty all right for just completely guessing things. Uh, she's estimated to personally gross $110 million from the first 22 performances alone. And the publication's projection, so Forbes' uh, projection for the heiress tour, is grossed at around $1.6 billion. Billion dollars. So that's, yeah, just wild numbers. Like we've already gone over it before, but I just thought I'd recap on it. Goals. It's still, it's still just like mind-blowing. Goals. Yeah, good on her, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I watched the, I watched the documentary and I actually had so much. Really? Oh, What's so, it on? It was on Netflix. Okay. I think. Really good. Watch yeah. it. Really good. I don't have Netflix anymore. Me neither. Because we used to share it and now they, they changed that and then I'm too poor to... Dude, totally. To Rach and I did this thing. We we're like, we're we're spending way too much time. We had binge, Netflix, oh. and Prime. Yep. And between the three, we were just constantly every. It's you know, just one of those things. You get to the end of the day, and you're burnt out, and you just want to crash, and you just want some mind-numbing goodness on the TV. Yep. And I just said to her, this year, like, we need to really stop being such consumers of crap. Mm-hmm. We need to be more efficient with our time, whatever. So we're like, right, we'll get rid of Netflix. We got rid of Stan or binge or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But we kept Amazon Prime because I buy so yeah. much gear. Yeah. We have been smashing Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, me too, man. It's great. <laughs> I mean, like, for American viewers, they're probably like, yeah, duh. But, like, yeah. Australia's still – we're not even as quick as they are either. I think they get shit within the day, within two days. I mean, we do pretty well here. I'm uh, loving it. If yeah. I need something for this studio, I get it tomorrow. Yeah. So good. So dangerous, though. Oh, yeah, because everything's simple. Like, it's at your fingertips. It's Depending on what you're buying, it's probably pretty cheap as well. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like instant free delivery. It's like, it's very new for us in Australia anyway. Our postal system is pretty poor. It's, it's such a large country. That, I noticed that express shipping has changed. It used to be the next day now. It's like three to five days. Yeah. Which is not great. So some maybe exciting news. I was talking off camera to Chief about this. Today, I am bidding on not one, but two cinema series cannons. Like... The big stuff, the big league stuff. We're going up. Like these cameras in here are pretty good. It scares me, Nick. And Everyone's going to see all my good. blemishes, my poor skin. Yeah, yeah hair and uh, makeup is a thing when you go to this level of, dude, of, of lens and camera. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. Well, okay, for the film studio, that's what's happening. So now we've been updating everybody on the film studio and currently it's getting sound treatment, the couch is in, all the pretty stuff's happening, and then lights and cameras, they last. It's so close though. I rocked up today <sighs> and it was like the couch is in there, yep. more furnishing, the curtains are up. Yep. Such a wild transformation. And then it's like the gear. Mm. The, the, the room is worthless without the gear. Nick, can you give me an update on what's going on with your music life? Because I know we talk about a lot mm. of the studio and I think that is kind of occupying a lot of your time, which I don't blame Yes, the reality of the M4 Sonic project is this. When the pandemic hit, I think that was a pretty big change up for the world and for me because it was significant of what was important to me and what made money. And uh, the two used to be one 
So like when I was touring, when I was with a record label, when I was doing all this cool stuff, I could pursue it and give it everything. Yeah. When the shows stopped and subsequently the teams of people that I had relationships with, they all went on to other things, I've essentially had to start again. And the story of this studio was that I was a subtenant with a small studio and took on the whole building and have turned it into a, a, what is now a film studio, which is pretty cool. So it's two film studios and two sound recording rooms. And I'm loving it, but the only way to generate income currently when I'm not touring is to be a service provider, which I'm actually loving. It's mm-hmm. been really cool. was not my plan. plan was to be Launchpad YouTuber, hopefully playing in Tomorrowland. That's still the goal. We talk about goals a lot on this podcast. But currently I am super local and working on the studio. And what I'm trying to do is in any free time that I have and any free funds that I have, still pursue Infosonic because I still feel like there's a lot more of me to give. And what the plan is and is still, and we're still working on it, is to do three albums of work in progress. Mm -hmm. So everything from 2012 to date, so we're talking about 10 years of music, is all coming out. The only difference is is that I've either reworked the sessions and remastered them just to get them to the quality of standard I'm at now, or they are songs with other collaborators, other vocalists, you know, other producers, other labels, publishers, whatever, and there is a right and wrong way to put out music and we're trying to do the right way, which is to get the sign off from everybody. Like, hey, we did this song a long time ago. It never did anything. Going to chuck it on an album. Can we get your consent? And the most frustrating part, frustrating part about this is that we're getting no response with some of the projects. And, and in the particular circumstance of this latest song, which was going to be the next song that I was going to release, it was this really cool opportunity I had with a massive game. I won't name it, but a massive game. And it was at a time when I was working with a management company who had an in with this game. And I did this remix and I'm not sure if the game, at the time it was to promote the next chapter of the game. I'm not sure if the song was ever delivered or if it was just declined or Mm -hmm. whatever, but the opportunity didn't eventuate. And then as I was pulling out of a management deal and, and leaving the team, whatever, that song too, I think it was just too complicated at the time. So it just got put on a hard drive and forgotten about. And as I was planning the album, I found this song like, that's kick-ass, old M4 Sonic, let's put it out. And Luke has been tirelessly trying to get permission from the game and from the original artist that made the first version of the song, Mm -hmm. which I then sort of, I didn't even really remix it. I just took some of the melody to try and incorporate it to make it sound similar. But So what's tied to the game then? That's all I'm curious is like, why are you having to seek permission, is it? The name of the track had a direct correlation to the campaign or the chapter of this this game. You can't rename it? Yeah, so after four months of speaking with the game, their music department, their composition department, their legal department, even getting all the way down to finding out the original rights holder of the original composition, their publisher, their legal team, all of that, Luke has finally got... So the final great news, you can release this song, but it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. You need to cut us in X amount. And also you can't use any reference to the game, the title, anything to do with it. And it's just what is the point? Yeah, why would you pay to release a song that can't be associated to the original part of it? And the only part of the song that has anything to do with the game is in the first 15 seconds. 
So what's your approach then? Are you just going to can the 15 seconds and do what you want or can the whole thing? Or I'm in two minds. Yeah. My ego is like, let's can the whole project. Fuck it. Right? I wouldn't why, blame you at this why point. Why am I raking over old coals again? And like paying for the privilege. Yeah. To I think release. the negotiations probably fell short. It could have been like a, hey, I'm happy to give you all of the percentage of royalties because I don't care about yeah, royalties. Yeah. But the, the payment thing up front was a little bit of a stinger because it's like, ah, uh, nah, we're good. So that's just where I'm at. And uh, it's okay. I'm not surprised by this, but it's taken four months. So it has delayed progress of the album because it was going to be the next track compiled into the album. Effectively, what we're trying to do is you stagger your releases. So if you put out a song every couple of weeks and then uh, save three or four for the album only, and then you put the album out, compiling the songs that you've previously released, it accumulates effectively all the streams from those tracks onto the album. So when the album launches, you've got a million streams. Yeah. You're like, no, not really. That was 10 months of work. Mm. That was the idea. So I've hit a roadblock and look, I could have been so much more proactive and not had all my eggs in one basket and just put out another song. Yeah. But there's been so much going on here at the studios. And I say studios now because it's not just one that, yeah, my focus has been pulled. The great thing about the forecast is that I have an opportunity now to at least explain what's happening behind the scenes. So I'll be honest, at this point in my career, I'm very frustrated. I can understand why. But it's my fault, to some degree. Well, you're just getting pulled in too many directions and I'm learning as I get older, like time is not infinite you know you've only got so much per day you've got your family life you've got your business life like it's just energy the artistry time is gets thinner and thinner i'm lacking energy in the places that i have to give my energy to the the things that are most important which aren't always on the trajectory of where like we talk about bedroom producers who are probably in the sweet spot they're probably living at home probably don't have a lot of expenses and they can just experiment make music and whatever and release it fantastic when you get to sort of later in life and you've got all these responsibilities and whatever, it is a little bit harder. But that's just making excuses, like not going to the gym. Yeah, you're right. Like I do believe that if you want to do something, you will make it happen. You will Shit, dedicate yeah. the time. I'll make but it But I do totally agree with that. As I've gotten older and moved out of house and have bills and have <laughs> my job and have my relationships and stuff, it's like I'm only left with certain hours and you're exhausted and stuff. It's two ways. Like you said, yeah. if, if you really, really, really want it, you'll make it work. And then what happens is you actually get more time back once you get over the threshold. So I know, because I've had it before, that I'll get to a point where the M4 Sonic project is actually making enough money that I then don't need to invest all my time and energy into all the other things that were making money. Hopefully they're set up and they become not passive, but essentially like passive, like a business should... Yeah, just ticking in the tick background. Along. Yeah, that's, that's you know, but this is the first two years of this business. So it takes, you know, three to five years to get established. So I'm just in growth phase. I'm loving it, but I'm under a lot of pressure, but embracing it. But the exciting thing for me is that all the tools of this facility that I didn't have when I started out, I think can then be matched with the experience that I have to create a kick-ass product. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you saw guys on the last episode, but I put this video, which was meant to go live. So the launchpad video I've made is on the end of that podcast episode if you want to watch it. And it hopefully will go out sometime. It was due, like I said, the day before I was delivering it and mm. then it just hasn't gone out. So yeah, these are all the things that push and pull and just cause problems, but they're all good problems. Um, so to finish my rant, <laughs> 
I was at the Air Awards last week. The what awards? Yeah, Australian Independent Record Label Association. I think that's what it stands for. Yeah. Luke had been in chats with one of the panelists from YouTube Music. So different to YouTube, it's YouTube Music. But he was, uh, I asked him to, to say, can you, can you red flag what's happened to my YouTube channel? And he, uh, he mentioned that a couple of things that have happened to my channel. One, I lost my artist verification badge. That's gone. I've been re-registered as a partner, which is new news to me because I didn't know I'd lost my yeah. partnership program. So that effectively means I haven't been making any revenue. That's fine. Uh, it can be fixed. And the other thing was, statistically speaking, a channel of the size of mine should have a 6% conversion to the subscriber network. So at about 600,000 subscribers, I should be getting more than 100 views a video. So it's been, I'll be honest, it's been really, not demotivating, but... Frustrating? Frustrating, because I feel like I should be able to reach more... That's what I was going to ask, right? The six percent figure or whatever. Is mm. it that out of all the people they show, only six people, six percent of people click it, or is it? That, I'm not in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, where does that number come from? But I agree with the following: you have there should be just more passive clicking. So what and we've searching. learned is that the algorithm is obviously uh, looking to how much I've posted, and then realizing that I didn't post for a very long time. Mm. But we've done sixteen weeks now of consistent uploads. Yeah. So I'm interested as to why it hasn't relearned or whether the channel has been deprioritized almost to the point where it's not fixable. Like I'm, that's my biggest concern. I'm just at a point now where I am impatient. I'm going to put in the consistency though. I said to you off camera, like I'm, I'm willing to give this a year, mm. but just say this time next year, like the channel is just still drip fed mm. and nothing is happening. Um, I'm a bit of a uh, uh, hypocrite. I realized today that I haven't probably hustled enough to contact the people I know can help the channel. Yeah. And I need to do more on the front of promoting it. I can't just sit back and be like, yeah. oh, so woe is me. My channel isn't performing. It's up to me to get it to perform as well as to create the content. Yeah. It's, you know, it didn't used to be. You used to make great content. And it just did it. Somehow, but it was the early days and I think it, it was – the, the, we were in the discovery phase of YouTube. Now we're at point of saturation. There's too much. Mm -hmm. So I – um, mature enough to understand why my channel is limited. There's just so much content going up right now. Why would YouTube reward me for not being there for four or five years? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, come on. I put in the work. We got the 600K. Let's get it to a million. Like that's, yeah. that's what I want to get to. I want to get to a million. I just would have thought that you're at least appearing in some more places. But that, that's the biggest concern to me. Is but I'm that just like, like, I obviously haven't learned what to do. Yeah, right, well then I think like you said before, you need to reach out and try and in, in contact as many people because all yeah. you'd have to do is reach a certain percent to just see a massive payoff, you know. And look, that's not, I I don't think either of us are sitting here going, we deserve, no. you deserve 660,000 plays an episode. Like, right. No. No. But at least a few thousand, maybe a hundred thousand people should see something and then it's on them if they want to watch anything. Yeah. But it's like, I, yeah, I don't, I feel like the amount of people that are actually seeing it is like very, like not even 1% of people. Well, it just, I just think the terminology should have changed when they changed the system. So subscribers, I would have thought meant you're all getting a notification. They're not. You, if you're a subscriber, you also then have to go onto the page and click the notification button. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine when that change rolled out, I wasn't posting any videos. So nobody would have been encouraged or knew to hit 
the notification button mm-hmm. in the era where that was really promoted. So that 600,000, because it was higher, it was 600. I remember I was getting DMs from people when I hit 666,000 YouTube followers being like, oh, the devil's number. And something really strange happened. It froze. It got stuck on 666,000, like didn't go up. It wasn't 666,001. It was 666,000 for the longest time. So it just shows 666K on my YouTube channel because you know how they shorten Spooky. it down. Yeah, so I had the devil's number. Then it got stuck. It's, they did a cull. YouTube yeah, did this thing. Like they got bots. rid of bot, yeah. botted accounts, dead accounts. When I say dead, like people that had passed. And it went to 640, but exactly 640,000. Didn't move up, didn't move down, like stuck mm. for the longest time. And then it did this, as I started posting, it's sort of like, oh, you're back, active account. I just, like all my stats right now, if I go into YouTube studio, is just how many subscribers I've lost this week. Yeah. So I'm losing on average a week, 618, uh, 618 people a week, which is fine. Look, I totally get it. Either people are like, oh, who's this guy? I remember subbing to his channel 10 years ago and now he's doing a talk show. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, also, I don't care about Launchpad anymore or I don't like electronic music anymore. Yeah. Like, I totally get it. I've unsubscribed from lots of channels this year. Yeah. So, I get it. But what I was kind of hoping would happen, and this is just my naivety, I would have thought the YouTube channel would have re-emerged in people's For You page or whatever the equivalent is. I know that's a Spotify thing, but yeah. if um, on the side panel of YouTube, people would have had this suggested feed of like, oh, I subbed to that channel and he's making mm. the content that YouTube rewards, which is over an hour long. The problem, I think, is because it wasn't a launchpad thumbnail, people weren't clicking on it. Yeah. So if YouTube's sending out my video to my followers and they're not clicking on it, it, it shows a, a basically a, the wrong type of engagement metric. It's a negative metric as opposed mm. to a positive, which again pushes the channel further down. On. So the more I post currently, the worse my channel performs. <laughs> oh, this makes me feel great. <laughs> yeah, so I'm YouTube... Guys, like there's a handful of you that come back each week. I am wondering whether I start again. Oh, what? Go fresh on a channel. Yeah. And this, it's a, I'm just too old. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're never too old to start. But I just, I, I need to speak to someone at YouTube because it could just be like, there is a huge amount of data associated with my YouTube channel, like enormous amount. And the algorithm, I don't know how that shit works. Like I have a basic understanding of how the maths works. But I would like to think, well, I actually don't like to think this, that it is so complicated. The mechanics of how my channel work are just such in a bad space mm. that it's time to let go. And so I would just come out with a new channel. Mm. But which like, would, would that even reach more people at this point? No, what it would do is it would reach new followers yeah. and I would effectively start again. So the people that subscribe, and this is – the great time to bring into the conversation. We have started a new Instagram. Yay. It's called The Forecast Podcast. We might rename it at some point, but at the, for now that makes complete sense. And TikTok, by the way. And TikTok. And what we've decided, Chief, Chief and I decided that we can, we can play the game a little bit more. We can promote and push out heaps of content on that channel without essentially annoying our original fan base. Yeah, every because post doesn't has to include us on a personal level. A lot of Chief Street's followers follow Chief for bass music, not for his Taylor Swift updates. <laughs> so that makes sense to sort of segregate the following somewhat. And the same for my audience. You know, for the longest time, we've spoken about this so many times, it was just my hands on a launch pad. For me to come out and be like, oh, I have a talk show right now and it's going to be a TV series. People are like, I don't care. Mm. That's fine. 
the people that do care, come follow along on those specific channels. And at times we will share from that channel onto our own personal pages because we effectively use it as personal pages and it makes sense. I'm just in this really weird pivotal point in my career where I don't know whether or not I am flogging a dead horse, which is the uh, the saying. Well, we can chat out, chat about it a bit off air. I don't know if the there is much reward starting fresh, but I can see your appeal to it as well. Yeah. My hope is that YouTube can slowly just be a bit kinder as we go along, but I yeah. do understand when you're saying that I think all the stats and analytics are working against each other right They're, now. And I understand exactly why they built the code as they've done. Mm. It is to to stop the, the the market being flooded with just crap. I totally get it. If everybody got the same amount of time to shine, we would just have so much mm. crap going on. So I am just putting it out there that at this point in time, if you listen to this podcast a year from now and it's got Nick complaining, I'm not trying to complain. I'm observant of where I'm at currently. And if you see us win or lose because of the actions I'm about to take in the next 12 months, this is why. And if you are watching, like, subscribe, comment, yeah, share, share show a friend, please just show us some love. Absolutely. I hate having a plea for that. but Well, know. you know what? Yeah. We don't need to. I think uh, I will try and reach out to people within the YouTube space mm -hmm. and ask for some help. Yeah. Or some guidance. I think it's worth just raising your hand, being like, is there anything I can do to help here, please? I mean, or you can do. I've been told uh, thumbnails are a huge thing, and that just, like, I understand how that cuts through the noise if you've got a really fancy thumbnail. But I'm kind of not interested in trying to clickbait people into watching this video. I would like to try and reach an audience that are hungry for information of behind the scenes in the music industry, uh, interested to learn from past experience and future, have an understanding of what you and I do as professional musicians and are in it for the right reasons because they will, I think, become part of our community, part of our network, and they're going to get so much more than just a podcast. Like we talked about off camera, we're going to do competitions, merch giveaways. Obviously, people are going to become VIPs and come to our shows. There's so much more to this than just like, hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Mm. So anyway, stay tuned on that. Rant over. <laughs> you gave me some would you rather's. And I thought of a couple and the ones that I'm going to ask you are interesting because they have happened to me. I'm scared. Would you rather DJ for an hour at a club but the booth monitors don't work? So your headphones yeah. work but the booth does not. Or DJ for an entire set where the decks only work if you hold down the cue button? So every time you play a song, you have to hold the whole song on a queue. I'd go no booth monitors. I've had shitty booth monitors before anyway. And right. like you can you can somewhat, if you know your sets enough, if you know your music, you could use, like, you know, I can assume what something sounds like by just using headphones or club system. Yep. I'm not sitting there. I've dealt with broken cue buttons before and God no, am so I sitting there for an hour. Holding both of these down. situations have happened to me. And what was worse? Okay, so the first time was a club in Australia, won't name it, and it's multi-tiered and it wasn't at capacity. I was I was opening for a much larger act and so the club had not filled yet but the main system was so overpoweringly loud that as it projected out, it would get trapped on the multi-level building right? because right? So, there was levels, right? So there's like a balcony and I remember it. My foldbacks weren't working. And I was using headphones, but it was creating this echo. So yeah. it was like, kudung, 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 yeah. kudung. So instead of like a nice kick drum, 
and I could hear it through my headphones. Mind you, I was very, very green, very early to DJing and I was having massive issues trying to synchronize my set. Yeah. And I was also DJing off a laptop and playing launchpad. I was going to say that's that element of live performance out of time would make things a lot more difficult. It was the first time I played Weapon live in a club. and I, Well, no, actually, sorry, second time playing Weapon live, but it was my first time stopping. Like, just stopped. I just couldn't. I just yeah. couldn't keep in time. There was this, and I was playing live, no quantization, no synchronization, nothing. And I just had to stop and tech ran out. They were what's going on? My fogback's not working. The crowd's like, what the hell? Because you don't go to a nightclub and then music stops. Music's always going on in the club. So anyway, I remember that. And I I got these fogbacks to work and it fixed the problem to a point, but I had them super cranked. But I'll never forget the crowd. The crowd started chanting in the last 15 minutes for like the next act. They were like, woo ready and I was like oh this is the worst set of my life the second situation was I was in a nightclub in China mm-hmm. and it was the next model up so I'd been using 2000s for the longest time and I think it wasn't the 3000s but it was something it was a level up to what I'd previously used and for some reason I don't know if it was a setting but there was something going real strange like there was something wrong on the decks and every time I hit, I would queue up a track and then hit play it would play and then stop what? And I was like, I, I just didn't, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, that's a tough one to I solve. Just, and I was panicking. Yeah. So <laughs> literally queuing up a track, fader up, holding cue. That's, but sometimes you need to be holding like. I just use two and three. Like I didn't use one and four. What, so you could do it with one hand? Yeah. I just couldn't, like, because both songs need to be playing at the same time. Plus you need a mix. Uh, when I was doing dubstep tracks, I would cheat. So I would queue up the drop on track three, sorry, yeah. on deck three. And then as I'm on two, just releasing. And, and yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that's, <laughs> Dude. it was hell. I think one, actually, no, I think one CDJ was working. So, I, I was effectively, if I, yeah, that's right. One worked, the rest were just cooked. Okay. So, I was able to at least play one track reasonably yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, But I remember, free- yes, that's when I was troubleshooting. Was I going to use the fader AB or was I going to use, because I always use channel I, faders. Yeah, I've never used no, the cross one. No, I've never used cross fader. And I was like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Anyway, I got through it. Uh, but it was a really tough set. Oh, it would have been. I mean, yeah. I've had Q, Q button dramas before. I've, I've said it before. My first gig, the Q button was broken. So that was awesome. So what'd you do? You had to like set loops on the side. You know, you can- Oh, what, ABC? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. But like not hot keys. Like, oh, I was fucked. It was just such a nightmare. And that First just, show ever. And that just ruins the whole it's set. It's just like ang- anxiety was already at an all-time yeah. high. And then I sat in there and the guy before me, Taylor Legend, was. I was like, you are not allowed to leave right now. <laughs> like you need to guide me through this until I'm fully comfortable. Yeah. Oh, shit. But we got through it. It was actually a lot of fun once it got, got started. But yeah. Never yeah. again, thanks. Yep. So that that was my would you rather. Okay, here's another one. Would you rather collaborate with Skrillex, but the song never goes out? Oh. Or collaborate with Marshmallow, but you do everything and you don't get any credit? Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, both are just like empty holes, right? You don't win either. The song never comes out, but can you play it and advertise it? Like, could you no, tease? No, you wouldn't do that because what are you doing? Don't play mm. a song. Oh, dude. Oh, no. Or make a song basically and just give it to someone else for them to claim as their own. And then you see every EDC. Yeah. Them pretending as if they made it. That is a real shit predicament. 
I think that it would hurt a lot to make something and pretty much someone claim it to be their own and that see it be successful. That is the music industry, my man. So that's but, the music industry. Yeah, well, not particularly depending <laughs> on the situation. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with making the song with Skrillex, but just never being able to release it and just hope that you know. And every I time you're like, "Yeah, it. I was in the studio with Skrillex and made this song," they're like, "Oh, cool. When's it going out?" That's all right. It, oh, it's not coming out, unfortunately. Wow. But okay. people, some people know, and that's it. All right, because I know a lot of people that have produced songs mm-hmm. for big superstars. But are they getting paid for that? I don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. Right. Well, because if it's like ghost production level things, I couldn't understand. Yeah, but ghost producers get ripped off all the time. Yeah. You were giving me the impression that I didn't receive a fee or anything. And it was kind of like a collaboration until they decided to just be like, you know what? I'm not going to credit you at all. That has happened. Okay. Would you rather, after two days of international travel, play a show to 10,000 people at a music festival, but only for 20 minutes? Mm hmm. Or. Play the main stage of Tomorrowland, but on day three, so last day, opening set. Yeah, like like twenty people. I that's, I'd probably that's a really good one because the the feeling of playing an empty show is never great. No, but you get to say you played the main stage, or some random festival for twenty minutes to a packed out crowd. And it took two days international travel. Oh, you'd just be so exhausted by the end of that. Um, geez, uh, let me think. Let me think. I'm trying to come up with it. They're like both tied. Give me, give me the full set. Give me the full set at the festival. I reckon. Love it. Nice. At least you get an opportunity. I mean, everyone's played an empty gig before. Like you mm. said, you still got the opportunity you signed up for, mm. whether people are there or not. Still pretty fortunate to do that. Absolutely. The other one, you've gone through a lot of pain and suffering to get there. Those 20 minutes would be sick. I mean, nothing like a packed out show, but maybe it's just not as rewarding because you, A, you didn't get everything you signed up for because you mm-hmm. didn't get your full hour to express yourself and B, it, it hurt to get there. So so I've been in two similar situations. I know the first one. The first where, one yeah. we spoke about on the podcast, yeah. I flew all the way to India yeah. and got messed around something chronic mm. and was still happy to do what I could but when after if you I can't remember what episode it is but <laughs> there's an episode where I talk about this in much more detail I played a show where I traveled just for the show for free took two days to get there got messed around got up there the set started late for lots of technical issues for lots of reasons finally started playing and then got pulled off mm. so that the headline act could play their full set. Their full set, which I was happy to do. But it was a real disaster trip because yeah. whatever. I have played on a main stage, not first set. I saw the opening sets, literally the crickets, but it was early in the day. And so it just made me think, even that was like, you're still building the crowd. Yeah. But it was such a better opportunity to play to a lesser crowd on a much bigger stage. It was done yeah. properly. Yeah. Yeah. So no, good good response. I think I agree with all your answers. And I think you like your overall vibe on the afternoon getting like nothing went wrong. You just like expectedly there wasn't a massive crowd. I mean, you're playing no, it was day, day three. No, it was day three. That's fair enough. Yeah. I've been to a three-day festival when yeah. I went to Ultra and like day three, you're basically a shell. That's and then right. you might have a pocket of time where you're, you're waiting all right. For, but you, you, I know that everybody was waiting 
day three, the final night mm. is you just you you chill that day and then you go yeah, to yeah, the night. Yeah. So any anything daylight hours was not not huge, but yeah, I've played heaps of shows where um, it's been an early in the day or, or early in the club or whatever, and it's character building. Yeah, no, I mean you learn from those experiences and they're fun anyway. Like you get I, a bit uh, of freedom to play around and stuff. I have a gig coming up. You do? Yes. I think I remember you reminding me of this. You had to knock it back first and reschedule it. Rescheduled for October. It's the 13th or the 14th of October. More details coming. Uh, would love to see you. Going to promote the hell out of it because I would love to meet anybody that's been following this forecast to come along. Back on the stage, mate. Yeah, it's all launch pad set. Complete 45-minute launch pad set. Where? Not allowed uh, to know? To TBC. Okay, uh, cool. I will confirm once it's all, all locked in. Man. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Yeah. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I think everything we're doing this year is to build up for next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good growth. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I I think even though I just had a huge rant about like YouTube and whatever, I think it's all starting to make sense why things work and why things do not work. Yeah. And I would like to pass on all that to the next generation. Like, hey, it's tough, but if you can understand that you've got to put in some serious yeah. sweat equity multiple times throughout your career. It doesn't just happen and then yeah. you just fall into a groove and it just whatever. The guys and the girls at the top are working so freaking hard. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous amount of effort to keep relevant. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about it before how it's like little wins over time build the momentum yep. and consistency is a huge thing to achieve that. And then just try and stay away from controversy. Yeah. Ultimately, don't. once you're at the top of everyone's mind, then you've it's just, you know, it's a PR disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Get the lawyers involved. Sweet. All right. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. If you like and want to hear more of this, please share this with someone. If you have any tips or any information uh, regarding how we could improve this show, we'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, uh, tune in next week. See you then. See ya. See ya.